stick around. We're back. Another week. Another great guest. We got the singer Touche Amore and fellow pod peer of the first ever podcast, Jeremy Balm on the pod. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I love when you said that uh, since you're on the West Coast, we're like, all right, we could do 830. And you're like, 530 West Coast, that's perfect whenever you can do it. And I'm like, that's, that's what I love to hear. Yeah. Everyone has obligations. Mm. We've been trying to schedule some people for months. Mm, mm. Not me. I'm a big old loser. Tons of time. <laughs> well, you're a creative and you, you run on a schedule similar to mine where it's you kind of just do whatever, whenever. It's great. Yeah. Oh, I think being on, the, being on the West Coast is actually really helpful for doing the podcast because um, most people want to do it a little later in the day. So for me, like 11 a.m., it's like I'm usually up around like 10 a.m., you know, Perfect. like. So there, yeah. there was a, a golden era of this podcast mm-hmm. when Andrew was unemployed that we were able to get some day pods in and they were, Ooh, they were the, yeah. the good old days. Man, a good, who doesn't love a good, like one thirty call time. You know, what I'm saying uh, potting when the sun's out just hits different. Mm. See, 11 a.m. is great for me because 11 a.m. is pre-lunch and then that's post-lunch for people on East Coast. So they've, they've eaten. I haven't yet, but I've had a good coffee and probably uh, some sort of a pastry or something. So what's, it's, what's your go-to coffee spot where you are? You're in LA. I'm in, uh, I live in Glendale. Okay. Um, oh. I go to this spot. You may have heard of it. It's called Starbucks. I am oh, not I've precious. I, nice. <laughs> I love a, co- I love a snobby coffee as much as the, the next person. But when they got one literally like on my corner and I could just do the app and pick up and I'm in and out back home within 10 minutes, it's what's what's the go to coffee order? I picture you being a. Iced iced, of course, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) oat, no, I already lost it. It's okay. Just I I just do a black cold brew. Uh, I'm really, I'm really just, I I am a no frills. Just give, just dump it in a cup. It's going to taste a little bit like cigarettes because it's Starbucks, but it's fine. Cold foam on there. Cold foam is a game changer. It's pretty good, but it's not, it's, uh, that's like maybe my second coffee of the day. If I'm feeling Mm. a little, if I've had a, you know, maybe like a not terrible lunch, that's where I'm like, I'll treat myself. I follow the same protocol. It's like first coffee is, is getting the job done. And then second coffee is a little bit like a treat, a a little mid afternoon treat. That's when I'll add milk. That's when I'll treat myself to a latte or something sweet. Oh, get that macadamia milk in there. Woo. Yeah, Macadamia but, milk? What fucking oh. uppity place are you going to? <laughs> Only dickhead? the uppitiest, baby. <laughs> uh, but I will say, if I'm doing a coffee date, I like if I'm meeting somebody to hang out, get a coffee, hang out. Like, I, I I'm too. I, I won't do Starbucks for that. You know mm. what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta like, show off a little bit. You get, you just, yeah, you can't. I'm be way too self conscious, you know, especially in a town <laughs> like this, to be like, yeah, meet me at Starbucks. People would be like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you know, let's, we, let's chug be, a Trento. What else do we need? Yeah, yeah. Life? Let's let's get a, you know, well, we've been talking about Panera on this podcast a lot lately for some reason, and uh, I, you know, no, that's not you Panera date. Ooh, that's. I think I honestly think I'd rather have uh, like Seven Eleven coffee. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's the funniest thing. Is Panera is. It's good for one thing, and that is catering on set. That's mm. the only thing. 
Uh, no, I haven't I, sat down I, in a Panera in years. I thought you were going to say uh, broccoli and cheese soup and a bread bowl because it's I literally mean, the only thing it's that good is, for. If you're going in and, and sitting down, and especially if you're on a date and you want to just feel really full and gross the rest of the time, <laughs> the, the broccoli what cheddar is the way to go. bad date spot. But, you know, you get a – when you're on set and you have to do catering, you get nice little single-serving boxes – of like your cheddar turkey bravo or whatever the fuck and it comes with a little cookie and it comes with a little like fruit cup and oh my God. Uh, we get it you've been on set before jesus christ listen tinseltown <laughs> dan over here uh the worst the worst part about panera in my opinion is uh this is my cross to bear that i am not a cream cheese on bagel guy i am a butter on oh. bagel guy yeah and that, they that do is the rough thing- they do the thing where you like get a like a half toasted bagel and then they give you the ice cold butter to spread yeah. and you're just no, like no. it's like being on an airplane where yeah, you're just like what there. what are you doing with well, you know funny enough that's so. how Panera actually came up last week we had Tyler Daniel Bean on who owns a bagel store in in uh, Burlington Vermont and I was okay. talking about how the the worst bagel I've ever had in my life is from Panera. And I, I used to facts. date a woman who lo- loved the rubbery texture of, of, of a Where Panera was she bagel. From? Where was she from? She was from New Jersey. That then there's no excuse. There's, there's no, no excuse. excuse. It was an anom- death sentence. It was kind of it was kind of the same idea of like Domino's isn't pizza. It's its own separate thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Panera ain't a bagel. It's it's its own <laughs> rubber chew toy. Mm. <laughs> But of the chain of the pizza chains, uh, Touche recently did a group vote, and we all realized that we all are Domino's number one of oh, the group yeah, of the chains. So that's yeah. that's totally yeah, totally reasonable. I I never grew up with a Papa John's or that shit's a, trash. I mean, yeah, they had or, Papa John's in my high school. Papa John's was like the slice that we got in high school. Ooh, we I had Domino's the, in our high school. Friday night Domino's. Choice. I still think like there's no there's no better pizza than like nobody out pizzas the hut. If I can be honest here, like plenty of tours with all you can eat slices for lunch. Oh, you're talking about the pizza bar, the pizza buffet. Mm-mm-mm. Pizza buffet is its mm. own separate thing as well. That's a that's a lifestyle. Tour. That's a cultural thing. That's uh, that's you're having a really bad show that night. That's uh, that's everybody's. <laughs> no, is, yeah, that's no, everybody right. feels very bad when you're playing. Yeah. Like that's like you feel it coming out of your pores. <laughs> before you play yeah uh, we've been there believe me i was just watching a video that this just reminded me of uh someone posted it on on uh i think his name's keegan franzia mom on twitter he's in camp trash i think yep. but he posted a video it was like this is the hardest thing i've ever seen and it was literally like a guitarist playing the riffs of the band on stage but he's just got his head out the side stage door puking in the alley while playing the set <laughs> So the band inside is, is is ripping to the song. Yeah. There's people like stage diving, and the guitarist is sticking his head out the alley door and puking on the sidewalk. I wonder if that was like a food poisoning situation. Because oh yeah, I mean I I've heard stories of people like oh, there's a certain venue. I forget what it was. It might have been an old self defense family story, which God knows there's there's plenty of. But I think it was Sean Duty at the time was like playing in the bathroom. Like there was like one of those those awful club bathrooms they had to like go on the stage to use. <laughs> and I think wow. he was playing like with with the bathroom door closed. Mm. That's yeah, that's uh a wireless I'm assuming. That doesn't strike me as a wireless band. <laughs> no, no, probably running the cable under the door, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, that's a whole new set of problems. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get the gig done, no matter what. You know, that's 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 punk, baby. But yeah, so you're a California native, correct? I'm a California native. Yeah, we're that we're Touche is the rare breed of of uh, all from LA. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. What's it like growing up in LA? I feel like that's not a place you hear too many people growing up in. Um, it's interesting. So three of us are from Burbank to be specific, which is the media city capital of the world. A lot yeah, of people a, don't. That's a, yeah. an even weirder place to grow up. Than, than it, absolutely, LA. it absolutely is. <laughs> because, Bob Barker. Yes. Right. Answer. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, it really is because, um, I've probably talked about this before, but it's like, you know, you're, if you live here, there's a chance that your folks work in the industry in some capacity. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Which means that everyone you know and everyone you're in school with is a latchkey kid because everybody's parents are working in you know long hour hours days, yeah totally and in a weird way it almost became devoid of culture because everyone's parents are so fucking exhausted and tired of dealing with with all of the things that you know encompasses tv and movies that like you know, my parents weren't taking me to movies, you know, yeah. like they were like they were like I had to find so much stuff like on my own because they were just too tired and didn't want to even think about <laughs> movies and TV, you know. So um, it was kind of interesting in that capacity. So you got a lot of kids who have a lot of time away from their parents to kind of get into trouble or start playing music together or yeah. this, that, and the other thing, or discover things on their own with, you know, someone getting a VHS tape and then you pass that around, you know, it's like, it's one of those sort of situations, but it's funny because I think a lot of people would assume because it's LA that we would get that stuff just being hand fed to us. But, uh, we, in our own weird way, we had to kind of find a lot of it on our own. Yeah. That's, that's why. What, uh, what'd your parents do in the industry? Uh, so my my pops uh, still he's never gonna retire. Uh, he works. He's been working in post production uh, since you know uh, definitely the eighties. Oh wow. uh, My mom. They met. Uh, my mom met my pops working in post production, um, and then my brother works at a company that. Um, for a while there was like, they basically like installed like avid editing machines and stuff okay. like that. So th he's more on like a, the tech side of things yeah, yeah. and his company does a lot of like setting up editing bays and all that sort of stuff. So that's more his, I'm sure if he heard me describing what he does, <laughs> he'd, he'd be like, like that's absolutely, absolutely not, not what I do. Listen, but I don't like, know what the fuck anyone does. <laughs> no, but from what I, from what I understand. So my dad, though, he works in, um, so his, his role has always been scheduling. So he's not like a hands-on tape operator or gotcha. anything like that, but he's the guy who basically like, he's been in the biz, he's been in that industry for, you know, 35 something years or some mm. crazy amount of years. Uh, so he's, you know, he's just kind of one of these guys that's known all over town. So whenever he goes to a new company, he gets all those clients with him and whatever. And so basically like the company he works for now does a lot of Disney stuff. I know that, okay. um, but he's been talking about this like A24 musical movie that I just saw a trailer for the other day that I was like, oh, that must be the thing my dad's been talking about for like two years. So um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's funny, too, because my dad has no interest in movies and TV. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's uh, it, my dad. My dad has the my dad has. Um, I've always joked this, that he has the. Uh, all of the elements to be a supervillain, but he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet in your life. Where like he loves John Wayne, the Dallas Cowboys, NASCAR, mm, Elvis, boo. and 
something. I think those are enough to describe like my dad's, all my dad's favorite things. And you're just like, how are you like such a nice, nice, normal person, but you like all this shit. Yeah. Loves yeah. That sounds like honestly, that sounds like you just made a recipe for like Clint Eastwood. Uh, Straight up, yeah. And he <laughs> votes correctly too, which is like really Ooh. shocking with all of that, you know. So, the, <laughs> so uh, while we're still talking about the the, the movie industry, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I was quite shocked to find you in uh, the faux documentary uh, "Weird: The Al Yankovic Story" mm-hmm. as Jeremy Barf. Mm-hmm. Which was yep. fucking oh, I had to like rewind it for a second and did a double take. How the yeah. fuck did that come about? Um so the it's a long story, but the short version basically is that uh so on my podcast I interviewed Eric Capel, who's mm-hmm. the director of that film. Um he at the time so uh my girlfriend works uh, used to work at an ad ad agency that represented a bunch of directors, and one of the directors they represented was Eric. And um, when I was starting the podcast, I was like, you know, I don't want to just talk to musicians. I like to talk to people in all different sorts of uh, entertainment or art and whatever else. So um, I knew that he was someone that she knew. And so she put me in touch with him. Um, And at the time, he I mean, he's done so much episodic TV. Like in the episode, it's really fun. Like he walks me through what it was like to like direct an episode of The Office kind of a deal. That's cool. Yeah. Um, And he has a really interesting story to where he was roommates with Andy Milanakis and they developed that show together. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Crazy. So like it's a really fucking imagine. It's a really interesting interview. You know, like he has a really cool story. Nicest guy. Nicest, nicest guy. Um, he had done like Brooklyn Nine Nine and like mm-hmm. all of these beloved shows. Human yeah, Giant. No, he's like a like, known a known entity in in the comic the comic totally, world for for that stuff. Totally, totally. Went to UC. You know, he did the UCB stuff and all of that. So, um, yeah, we got we got along really well and it was a really lovely time. And then it was like a few months later, I saw a news post that he his name got attached to this weird Al Yankovic biopic, and I was like, oh, I thought it was like, congrats for Eric. That's cool, you know. Um, and then he messaged me on Instagram like a week later and was like, I don't know if you saw the news, but I'm doing this. But, uh, there's a scene, there's two scenes where one where Weird Al, uh, auditions for a punk band and the next one where he sees the punk band play, blah, blah, blah. He tells me this whole thing. <laughs> and he's like, I've already cast the other two band members, but Al asked me specifically if I know anybody who actually looks like they play in a punk band. <laughs> so would you be down to do this? And I That's was like, fucking wild. I was like that. I was like, do you want me to like audition? He's like, no nah, man, it's like, you just come in. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So I was, so I was such a fish out of water. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, it was like a really, really over the top, really exciting experience. But it was funny too, because the name of the, the fake band is skunk barf. <laughs> and we realized that all of us have J names. Cause it's like yeah. Jonah Ray, Johnny Pepperton, yeah. Jeremy Bohm. So like, that's why we're all just, you know, what, but what's funny is Jonah, Jonah's name, Jonah Barf sounds like an actual punk band name because it sounds like sounds Jonah Vark. Like Jonah Vark. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like a really great punk name. This um, is actually a very good uh, transition. I was going to ask you for the next like 30 minutes, how you feel about Jonah Vark, but I guess we're already here. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, it was that, crazy. Yeah. That's uh. so yeah. Like, what was it like on set? Did you meet Weird Al? Like, yeah. So you know, Jonah and Johnny already had a relationship with him. Jonah plays in like a Weird Al punk 
cover band and they've <laughs> known each other just from, through, from and Johnny's known him through comedy stuff too. So yeah. like, um, I had never met, uh, Jonah or Johnny though. We have a lot of oddly enough, like of comedians, like we have the most amount of mutual friends, you know, like Jonah Ray wrote one of the blurbs on the back of Dan Ozzy's book. Yeah. See, Jonah uh, Ray is know. like a known music head. You totally. know, he's, he's, he's pretty well versed in that world. And Johnny, I know, was friends with Riley Gale. Um, like, that was someone who he had, you know, like, he's he loves metal and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, and those two already knew each other. So, uh, you know, we ended up meeting the first day on set. The first scene that was shot was actually the the scene where we perform in, the, in live. Mm-hmm. And it was so stressful because, like, leading up to it, you know, there was a group chat with the, with the four of us, with Eric. And I was like, what are we, are we, like, lip syncing? Are we, like, playing to a track? Like, what are we actually playing? And Eric was like, oh, we'll just make up something on the spot. And I was like... <laughs> It's like I'm way too much of a Boy Scout for that, as yeah, I always say. So, so like, so easy. So like, I was like, I was like doing. I wrote like three or four like punk sort of songs, and I sent them to those guys, and and they actually, you know, like Jonah plays drums, Johnny plays mm. bass. So, so we like kind of taught each other some stuff over like text or email or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> and then we show up on set, we meet each other, uh, get along, get in our silly wardrobes, and then uh, we get taken to set. And Weird Al comes running up to us, and he, like, already knows those two. And he's like, Jonah, Johnny. Then he looks at me, and he's like, Jeremy, it's so nice to meet you. Gives me a big hug. And I was just like, what the fuck? That's so Uh, cool. So then I get stressed out, though, because he goes, let me teach you guys the song. Oh, no. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Because... I play guitar. I guitar was the instrument. I I mm-hmm. always played guitar in bands, but like I'm not a good guitar. I'm a punk yeah. guitar player. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, and I like Weird Al's a genius musician. So I was like, I hope whatever he's about to show us is something that I can do. <laughs> um, and sure enough, he was like, Yeah. So the song is just, and he just rattles off some notes. I don't know notes. <laughs> I don't know what those are. So I'm just like, like, uh, and then he start. He's teaching Johnny like what to sing, and he's like singing him in the in the specific note. And he was like, what key is that in? Then he points at me. He goes, guitar player, what key is that? <laughs> no idea. I have, all I'm doing, I'm the, I'm very slowly reaching for the guitar as if I'm going to help figure this thing out. Yeah, but I'm yeah. just waiting for someone else to figure it out first. Yeah, yeah exactly. He like pulled out, Weird Al pulled out his cell phone and he had like a keyboard app. Yeah. So he was hitting the notes and singing them or whatever. I was just like this is above my pay grade. And I, I'm just instantly panicking. I'm like, she's going to think that he, he hired the wrong person to be in this. Like I'm going <laughs> to fucking, thankfully I was, it, what was played was super easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let me tell you, he teaches us the thing we do. There's a room full of extras. We're playing in it. It's an, an actual club here in, mm-hmm. in like echo park or silver. Lake. I forget where it was, but um, we have a room full of extras and we have the shittiest equipment. Like the guitar I was handed, like has <laughs> never had its strings changed. And like, of course. and like the the cable is buzzing so fucking loud. I mean, all that stuff probably just came out of a prop closet. Totally. You know? There's no tuner, so I'm using. I had download the tune like guitar tuna app. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just like sweating bullets. Just yeah, like yeah. this is so fucking stressful. And the, the uh, funny thing is, you've played thousands of shows. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is what's gonna break you. Exactly. So like, so then the three of us run the song like three times. It changes every single time we do it. You know. Are um, you sure make- you weren't in my first band? Because this sounds a lot like my first ever band so far, dude. It, and so, 
so, you know, and we're changing it every time, you know, like where I was like, well, what if we do this? And he's like, Jer-. and then he's like, you do maybe like a solo thing. And I'm like, for sure. And I don't know how to do that. So um, just playing scales. So once we do that, we like run through it three or four times. They're like, you could think you guys got it because now we have to ch- introduce you to the stuntmen who are going to fight you. <laughs> and I was like, OK. So then I meet this this man who basically orchestrates with me because like if you, I don't know it's a, such a quick scene but like when we play uh, we play we finish a song and then Patton Oswalt yells you guys suck and then the whole audience starts throwing stuff at us and then you'll see people get up on stage and start fighting with us so like a guy got up on stage and I we'd made up a thing where he grabbed parts of the guitar and we like fought with each other. It was a much longer scene, of course, when it was shot than what mm-hmm. was like shown in the movie. But so like I was telling my buddy uh, Spencer, who's a who's an actor, who's a fucking sick dude. And, and I was telling him my story and he was like, this is the most stressful first time on camera story I've ever heard in my life. Where like <laughs> you had to perform a song. Yeah. Fight with a stuntman all in like the span of like, you know, like a 20 second shot or whatever. So that was my first day on the set. And then in between takes, like I met Daniel Radcliffe, who was just the sweetest guy in the entire world. Uh, um, fucking Rain Wilson was there that day too mm-hmm. Nicest just talked to me about his kids Like go to shows with like the smell Like he's like into punk and stuff like that uh, Yeah yeah uh, I mean have uh, you seen The Rocker? Come on Right right sure <laughs> uh, I've not seen The Rocker I brought like I was like Daniel Radcliffe Ended up sitting next to me at this At this chair and I was like what the fuck do I talk to him about oh. So I ended up being like hey uh, I think we have a mutual friend. Like I'm really good friends with Andy Hull from Manchester Orchestra, who did oh, all yeah. the music for Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army he Man, was yeah. like, mm-hmm. he's like, I love Andy. So we ended up just talking about him, and then he had the most adorable, like, questions that I always say, like your aunt would ask you about being on tour. Like he was, because <laughs> it was like so sincere. Because yeah. you know, I don't think he's really you know talked to many people probably who play in punk or hardcore bands or whatever. But he was like, so when you go on tour, how many shows do you play a night? <laughs> which is a really sweet question yeah. i was like i was like oh just one and he's like so what do you tour in a bus or a van and i was like oh we tour in a van and then he had the most incredible follow-up question which i'll never forget he said i, I say we tour in a van and then he goes does it have windows mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly <laughs> not a bad question it's not yeah. a bad it was like but it i've was done such both a, i guess right yeah <laughs> right it was just such a it was such a cool follow-up question Man. and you know people always say that like a f- true star famous person quality is that they make you feel really good about yourself when mm-hmm. you're talking to them, you know, like that's like a star quality that people always say, like yeah, people like, who like I, remembers your name. I know like, I'm interesting, but let's ask, I'm going to ask you about you, you know, <laughs> talk, I don't like, talk just, about me. He's such a sweet guy. So then like, so that was the second day of shooting for the whole movie was that scene, I think. And oh. then, and then the second to last day of shooting was the scene when he tries out. So it was like, honestly, like I think the whole movie was shot in 16 days. Wow. wow. What? That's wild. It's crazy. So the first day of shooting, I think was on, it was on Valentine's day. And then the last day was like the the 28th or something or no, like the, maybe I, I'll have to look it up. I that's fucking it, insane. Even if it's like anywhere close to that. Short, it's crazy. It's really, really short. So, um, yeah, that second day of shooting when I showed up on set, and I, you know, saw him or whatever. He came walking up and it was like, Jeremy, it's so nice to see you. And I was like, you retained my name after fucking. That's so sweet. All. He was just like the nicest person in the entire world. So it was a really cool experience. That was a long, that was a longer version of that story than I was expected to tell. But hey, there you no, go. That's, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, did you get your sad card from that? 
I got I got the ability to pay for it, but oh, I I'm not gonna tap Hartley in. Come on, I love paying for things. I mean, I think <laughs> let's it was, add it was, another subscription. It was, yeah, it was quite a few. Th- it was a few thousand dollars, and I was like, there was a part of me that's like, you should do it, so I could you say that I'm in that. But then yeah. I was like. I was like, I'm never going to be asked to be in anything yeah, ever and again. You'd, and you'd have to be out there picketing right now. And it's pretty yeah. hot, right? Yeah, it's warm. I'm not doing that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's super. Oh, no union hater. Jeremy <laughs> Bob on the pod. <laughs> What's up, Jeremy? Union, uh, first, first ever union buster. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Uh, no, yeah, the, 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 the strikes are affecting it. I mean, no, my, a- my, my girl works in, uh, in set decoration stuff. So she's, she's currently unemployed because of all of this, too. Yeah, and, it's, so. it's rough. It's it's going on. Yeah. It's over a hundred days now. I think, right? It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's certainly talking, feels that way. Talking to Daniel Radcliffe is actually really interesting. I think about it all the time on here. I know way more about our guests than they know about me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. you know way more about Daniel Radcliffe than you know. So, like, you know, do you go? What's up, Harry Potter? You know, do you do you do you mess around at all? You, you got to go you right do the like, thing where you like try to reference something that's not the the most important thing they're known for you know <laughs> yeah yeah like you I mentioned thought, swiss army man i'm like that's probably what i would mention yeah. too because it's like the you weird art movie. away right <laughs> yeah and then also not to end i don't mean this because it's not really a name dropping situation because they're not like they're my friends but like mm. it's so i went and saw manchester a couple weeks back and when i was doing the check-in at the this at their little like box office area uh right next to me was uh the daniels checking in because they were going to watch manchester too because it's Mm -hmm. la so they're checking in and then they ended up standing behind me while we were going through security and then when they once they walked through i was because it was in like this little backstage area i was like hey (laughs) that's i'm a huge fan and then i got then uh it all you know between the store like they ended up hanging Mm -hmm. out like i ended up getting to kind of spend the night with them hanging out with them between them and manchester or whatever and got to tell them the story of being they're like we loved the weird owl movie wait you were in that and then like i told them how (laughs) i met daniel and we talked about swiss army man it was like this really sweet ecosystem of like that that. whole experience so it was all very cool that is that's fucking rad yeah what a wild movie that's that's a andrew have you seen that i haven't Ooh, it's it's wacky it's really, um, it's really over the top. It's really I'm doing fun. My, I'm doing my friendship with, uh, I, I just call him Al, but um, <laughs> doing my friendship with Al a disservice. I call him by his first name, Weird. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was very sweet. I met him once. Very, very sweet. Um, really? Yeah, I was doing a tour with Hello Goodbye, um, and he was at the LA show. Where was that? Uh, the one that's, like, attached to the bowling alley. Uh, the... The one LA, that's like t- the Rose Bowl. No, the one that's like next to like the Brooklyn Bowl there. Is that Nokia? No. Uh, what, so like a lot, like a huge venue? Yeah, in LA. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what that would... This hmm. is peak Hello Goodbye era. No, this Was, is... Is this on the yeah. Hanson tour? Yeah. Okay, that's why. Yeah, the same show. Uh, and Al just walked back, you know, popped into the room, said, hey, I'm Al. That was it. <laughs> wow. It was amazing. Uh, met Tegan and Sarah at that show. Absolutely. Like, I've never been more nervous to meet human beings in my life. Um, I blurted more, out more really so weird. More so than Weird Al? Oh, 100% more really? so than Weird Al. Yeah, because oh, I was weird. I mean, I don't know. It was... the I've Okay, here's my question for you, since we're already doing this. What's your worst celebrity interaction? 
Like Ooh. what? Who do you think that you've met that you've like not been cool around? I'm notoriously not cool around celebrities. So, and I am ice cold. Oh yeah, ice cold. You and you and T Hanks, best friends. <laughs> it's true. Um, there's one, but it's not for the pod. Um, Got it. <laughs> and because it's funny because it was someone we were on tour with, but um, and then so what's funny is. I have a countdown. I have like an internal countdown clock mm-hmm. going on in my head of how much time I'm going to waste of theirs. And it's <laughs> 10 seconds. I'm going to say something. And then if they say almost nothing, I'm fucking out of there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if they, if they say something, then it's, I add another five to seven seconds on the clock. Oh, I'm yeah. looking for a reason to leave because I don't, I'm already like feeling like I'm taking up too much of their time. I met Bill Murray once and he, oh, yeah. he was like, he walked into a show that was like half filled. And I was like, everybody in the room just watched Bill Murray walk into yeah. this room. Like everybody's yeah. eyes are on what Bill Murray. What show was it? Uh, Azure Ray. Oh, Saddle yeah. Yeah. what era are we talking? This was two. This was kind of a reunion sort of thing. So this was right when Touche started. So this was probably like two thousand eight. Okay. Ish. Okay. Um, and she walked in with Jenny Lewis. Like they were oh, there together. Oh yeah. What you, I mean. So they walked in and they were kind of. It was at the Troubadour and they were kind of mm-hmm. hanging by the the loading door, and um, everybody's just. You know, you feel bad for the opening band because mm-hmm. everybody's just watching yeah. those yeah, two. Sure. And I was like, I'm going to be the guy because no one's doing it. I'm going <laughs> to be the fucking guy. So I went up and I did the biggest no, no in the entire world, which I regret. But I did it. Whatever. I did the tap on the shoulder, which Ooh. is not a good look. But I did the tap on the shoulder. Bill Murray turned around and I said, I am so sorry to bother you. I just have to say thank you for giving me a sense of humor. And he took my hand with the two hands mm-hmm. and he did one shake and he goes well you're welcome that was all i needed and I, and, and jenny lewis kind of shot me like a not so pleasant yeah, look yeah. and i leaned over and i looked at her and i said and your new album is fantastic and yeah. then i kept walking and then i, I feel like <laughs> I, cool- I loved you in the wizard yeah i feel like i cooled it off and that you was fine tapped her on the shoulder and thanked her for your sense of humor <laughs> yeah right <laughs> And, and oh hi who are you and yeah, yeah thank you for that one album cover um <laughs> i felt bad though because then that basically opened the floodgates and then uh, everybody yeah. went over and i yeah. talked to him but yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's one of those things it's like i'm gonna kick myself if i don't do anything mm-hmm. you know and then and then the next time you bump into him you can be like you know hey it's good to see you again and then sure well funny enough um what my inspiration for doing it was, was like a few weeks before that, I obviously times have changed in how we feel about this person, but I had the opportunity to meet Morrissey and I fucked it up. I waited too long. We love him all, more than ever. <laughs> all my friends met Morrissey that night. It was at the smoke. He was there to see the smoking popes mm. who, who had mm. toured with Morrissey back in the nineties. And I did not know that. That's oh, yeah. What an amazing 1996 combo. We're supposed Absolutely. to have, uh, who is it? Josh from, the Pope's oh, cool. at some point soon, and uh, we're Big gonna fan. have to ask him about touring with Morrissey now. Yeah, yeah, I think it was around the Born to Quit era. Um, wow, maybe the same producer. Look, check me on that, but I think the same yeah. producer did one of their records. Um, so 
yeah, he was just like sitting at a table with one other person and all my friends met him. All my friends got the his name tattooed on him later that night kind of a deal. Like they wow. signed his arm and whatever. So I went up. I, I, by the time I got the courage to do it, I walked over and the person he was sitting with, maybe some sort of a management publicist person, kind of gave me the the um, finger wag and wow. i and i just accepted it didn't yep. even yeah i just turned around but what made me feel much better uh i watched the same thing happen to matt skiba like 10 minutes later <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yes i was like i am Wait, and what, and we what are equals tonight oh this was 2008 oh good that's, yeah, like and that, and that's, that's one thing about matt skiba he never forgets <laughs> <laughs> but it, was just, it was just very funny. I was Morrissey like, wants to come to the Blink-182 show. Mm-mm. He's banned. Yeah. Well, let me see. Where was the Smoking Pubs reunion? Well, that says 2000. Could that have been 2000? Maybe it was 2000. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, time doesn't make any sense to me anymore. No, not but, but either way, it was at the Knitting Factory. He was sitting upstairs. It was very... I was starstruck. wild. You yeah. big Smoking Pubs fan? Big Smoking Pubs fan. What's your what's your smoking pups record? Destination failure. Me too. Hundred percent. It's a perfect. Let me record. ask you. So do you do you go throughout the whole catalog? I'll be honest. I don't haven't kept up with like a lot of the re, the reunion right. records. I mean, we're, but the we're live gonna, record. Yeah. Oh, the live record's incredible. The live performance of Pretty Pathetic when the audience is singing all the words and he yeah. has the little giggle because you could tell he's so overwhelmed mm-hmm. by that moment. I love it. It makes my eyes watery thinking about it. It's a, yeah. such a pure moment that, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. No, I, you know, I, I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about the smoking pubs, you know, with the opportunity to have Josh on um, and about how like life changing destination failure was to hear it for the first time. Like that was my first smoking pubs record. Oh, sure. Um, a, I'd never heard anybody with a voice that distinctive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, especially in rock music. Um, and just those songs, those songs are so different than anything. So like emotionally mature in a way that I hadn't heard when I was 20 years old. You know what I mean? Like I had yeah. the get up kids where everything sounded like a cartoon relationship. And this was, you know, and not to say, anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just such a huge record. I think that put me onto that dog and just, you know, a whole amazing amount of music. Sure. So what up, Josh? I can't wait to see you. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dan, what do you got? I want to talk about the podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel would, like we I, haven't talked. Yeah, I'd I'd love to get into that. I was actually um, gonna say we because we had Justin Pearson on the pod recently, mm. and I listened to the ep- the live episode you did with him before we we did that episode, uh, and it just remarkable. I mean, uh, Justin Pierce, like one of the coolest people on planet earth uh it's it's unreal how like humble he is about it too and just like uh but i I mean i really love that episode you did with him because i feel like you asked him a lot of questions that a lot of people didn't talk to him about before and he uh oh cool yeah i thought it was just really well done and uh thank you i was so nervous man doing a doing a live thing that's what's so funny that you mentioned is that you you've grown up in southern california and you've never come across him besides that moment you did that co-host uh pod that had him there and it's uh it's pretty we wild had mutual to think. well we had mutual friends but i never met him yeah and he no, was someone just, that i've always been i was always intimidated by yeah. i would have assumed you would have done a band together by now yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you sick. feel a little burnt that it hasn't happened yet is actually the question <laughs> 
who knows? We're we're both the older men who don't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah, so. no, thankfully. <laughs> but yeah, he. I mean, he was just fascinating. But yeah, I, I love that episode you did with him, and it was just like a really nice little. It just felt like like it's kind of how we like to keep things here. It's just very conversational and very fr- like free flowing, and just letting things kind of go as you've noticed wherever yeah. they they tend to go but the uh, hardest part about that was that there's so many things i wanted to like talk to him about but it was like sure. he has such an extensive discography that oh, it was like i was mindful of like i have an hour you know yeah, to, like we have right. to we have to do this live thing in an hour i have to kind of keep keep this pushing but like you know that was the downside of of having him do that for the live yeah. one where i was like fuck like i probably could talk to you for an extra 20 minutes just about like yeah. your relationship with unbroken you know like things <laughs> yeah. like that but, but yeah. anyway we we just had uh john nix on who directed the documentary oh about right him. Yeah. Uh, yeah have you seen it yet sadly enough i haven't seen it yet Ooh. i know they did a screening here too um, yeah yeah i was bummed i missed the screenings in in new york but uh we got a we got a nice little screener of it and it's fucking fantastic and it's oh, cool it really hits everything like me me and andrew have talked on this podcast before about how like like no one's done a documentary about like weird niche screamo era stuff like like we'd love to see a documentary about like the level plane era of of those bands and we might be the only podcast that that references discordance axis <laughs> all the time too but like that era of music like not to pull not to pull back the curtain too much but there was so i got to do the Sasha discography you know on secret voice in yeah. 2016 and around that there was supposed to i was supposed i was gonna do a documentary about seisha as like the focal point but like all about that whole entire thing with vice like vice was gonna produce it oh that'd been so good and uh just before we were about we were gonna like kind of kick it into gear Mm -hmm. uh it fell apart in a oh, way that doesn't seem like it's ever gonna happen. Yeah, um, uh, that's that's so brutal because we we know um, like Stake Mountain works over advice and sure, yeah, Chris, like, it's yeah. like there's so many people intertwined in that world that works like around or directly for Vice. Like the the amount yeah. of access they'd have would be unreal. But so we, we I, gotta start pitching Brooklyn Vegan ideas. I'm yeah. ready. <laughs> yeah. I want yeah. to do, uh, do an eight part piece about just the uh, untitled instrumental stuff that City Caterpillar wrote later in their career. <laughs> Hit me. It's really good. Uh, but yeah. ba- basically, this is like one of the biggest compliments I can have is that that uh, the Justin Pearson documentary scratches that itch a bit. Mm. Like sure, it, yeah. it touches on all of the stuff that like. I want in a documentary and like especially like a music documentary and uh god and my interview was filmed i still had hair that was filmed <laughs> a long time ago i was like i know it's been, a, it's been a long time coming but it it's like uh yeah it, it came together really really well and I'm, I'm super super happy to even get to talk to either of those people so fuck uh, yeah really really cool but, um, um, I, but I brought up the podcast because I wanted to tell you I sat in the dispensary parking lot for about an hour yesterday listening to the Alex Henry episode, which is one of the best. I mean, I I don't I don't really know anything about him other than, you know, his creative output. But what like a unique um, like lens of a person like, you know, it, it's 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 just like watching watching somebody who's obviously aesthetic so closely matches mine. Um, you know, play music I love, take photos that I, I've connected with. Just really, really interesting to get to hear sort of long form about, you know, their experience is really, really amazing. 
It's so funny. He was so nervous about doing the show and like very seemingly like self-conscious about like how he, you know, presents in like an in an interview mm-hmm. sort of capacity. And I was like, dude, it's you did such a great job. Like he's yeah. he says such thoughtful, fucking kind, inspirational Absolutely. things yeah. like constantly. I'm like, dude, like he's always been such a lovely person. I'm so happy mm-hmm. to have known him as long as I have. But like. I knew he would be a great chat and, and it came out like, I couldn't have even imagined it. It was, would come out as good as it did. You know, like yeah. it was, he yeah, was, it was such a, it was lovely. It was incredible. Also, um, the ability to put a lot of context into, you know, a lot of people's eyes are on turnstile right now. Um, and to hear sort of what that the behind sort of the scenes cycle on that. has yeah. been like, holy shit. Like, um, you know, I, I, lucky enough to know Jake Lang also who's been on that tour for what seems like three years you know two (laughs) years now just like such an incredible to watch a band go from like you know just to where they are now yeah um, and have that documented in so many different places is such like a a really fun thing absolutely no absolutely yeah that band Turnstile continues to just sort of like hit the nail on all of the things to do to be done well you know yeah. what i'm saying like it's it makes me so happy to see they yeah. deserve oh, that, it that new companion ep oh, they did with, EP is so with, with bad bad not good, good that kind of channels oh, what they were doing on the tiny desk is so fucking good it's really cool it's incredible yeah and it's like oh yeah. anyone that wasn't included in, in people who like the sound from from our last record like this will maybe scoop in that net a little further yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. let me totally. how do i how do i capture broken social scene fans into hardcore like <laughs> yeah. come on guys just a little bit what we're all trying to do you know i love oh, it man. what an incredible thing well um yeah what what compels someone to start a podcast Uh, I was, gee, there's so many jokes to be made. Um, well, I mean, (laughs) boredom, you know what I'm saying? Narcissism? Uh, no. (laughs) You stole my joke. Yeah, I was like, those are are two Um, of my favorites, too, 100%. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, look, I, I, you know, I'm no different than so many other people. Like, we had finished recording Lament, and while we were finishing that record is when the shutdown happened. I had been wanting to do a podcast. I had at one point purchased some some gear, recorded a handful of interviews in my fucking dining room that uh, I never put out because I'm an asshole. It's one of those things where I was like, I'm really I one of my biggest issues in life is that I can be a cart before the horse sort of person where I get really excited about something. And then when it comes time to do like maybe the hard part, like editing a podcast, I was like, fuck that and never did anything with it so like i had these interviews i was really proud of like i had like a lot of people who have now been on the show on this new show who where i've often i've publicly apologized to them for wasting their time that one the first time um <laughs> but like you know like i like chris farron uh kyle from pianos aaron weiss who i haven't had on my show but like he had come over um for me without you um frank turner i met him at his hotel which is nice. funny because when i interviewed him recently i brought that up and he had no recollection. He was like, we did yeah. that? That's so funny. I saw, like, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen was Frank Turner playing in, like, the lobby of the Holiday Inn during Fest. Oh, that sounds like a um, Fest and, like, thing. like, hundreds sure. of people on every surface you could imagine singing along. Uh, Magical. What a good time. Yeah, what, a, what an amazing guy. 
Um, I've never yeah. connected with the Frank Turner record, but I, I, I know it'll happen one day. Love Iron Song is a, it's a really good record. Um, anyway, so yeah, like, it, you know, so we finished that record, uh, and I knew it was something I still wanted to do. Um, the name kind of popped in my head and, and sort of, you know, it's not the most original idea of just like asking about first experiences, but I think the way I tried to frame it gave me at least like a starting point to where I, at least there was like a, a point that I could sort of follow through and, and, you know, you get better. Yeah. As you guys know, you know, like the more you do it, you get better at it over time. You get a little more confidence. Um, I still you get would, nervous. You would think you yeah. would really think, well, no, I'm sure you guys, ha- I, you know, no, I know, you know you're, jo- I know you're joking, but like, I it think, is a thing. I think we're really good at suckering people in by, Hey, let's talk about one of your favorite records, but actually <laughs> let's not. No, honestly. <laughs> and this, this is a little peek behind the curtain and it, it's, it's shocking how much it's worked to, to like bat way above our, our, uh, our, like out of our league, I guess you'd say. Uh, I literally just messaged people. I think I, I honestly, I think it worked on you too, but I literally said, Hey, we've had all your friends on. It's your turn. And then people are like, totally. oh, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you, sure. <laughs> and also, to make another n- narcissism joke, is it so hard to convince a, a fucking dude in a band to like come on and <laughs> yeah. talk about himself? <laughs> right. It's like, I'm not on tour. Yeah, yeah. sure. But, uh, uh, it, it is very funny just to say, it's your turn. It's time to come on the pod. And people are like, yeah. who the fuck are you? But okay, sure. Yeah, whatever you say, Mr. Bassini. <laughs> um, I mean, also, but with your pitch, though, uh, but I mean, obviously, here we are, like, talking about aspects of, of my life or whatever. But, like, what a show is something like, hey, talk about a record you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. That's, like, easy. Because right. I'm happy to talk. I can talk. I worked at a record store for, like, five or six years. You know, like, I love. What a dream. Yeah. What record store? I, it was called Backside Records in Burbank. Mm, um, long gone know. at this point, sadly. But uh, but yeah, it's like I, you know, one of my biggest joys in life is like talking about music with people. And yeah, hell yeah. If I could turn somebody on to something that's like really exciting, you know, like I do like a radio aspect with the podcast, which uh, I can't tell if it's worth doing ever. Like, but then randomly someone will say they really enjoy it, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll keep doing this. Because um, like when I look at the numbers between like. The radio episodes versus the interview episodes it's like one obviously does a little better than the other yeah but and there's still it, people that seem to tune in every week so yeah, right. and that that's something it's 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 tough to overcome that idea too of just like looking to like getting too lost in the sauce with those numbers because mm-hmm. they do vary so much between just what record you're talking like for us specifically what record you're talking about what guests you have on uh you know whether it's a you know episode talk we talk about like music uh documentaries and stuff and but you're roping in different people and mm-hmm. you got to and, and honestly half the fun is getting is like we bring on people we find interesting that maybe not always everyone else finds interesting but it's an excuse to talk to these people totally and that's what's so funny is i'm sure you've you've experienced this too where you'll get a guest that you're fucking so excited oh, about man. but then it doesn't perform very well it doesn't. and then the ones that you're like yeah that was easy are the ones that do really well you know yeah but honestly we've gotten to talk to some like people that we really love and admire like we got to talk um with uh about colossal and that was just like an unreal moment and just like one of the loveliest conversations the chicago Chicago punk stuff is that what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah. sign me up was it uh, who from colossal was it like the pat who okay yeah 
and we we got to talk about Seam. So it's like a band. He's you know he's in a band that not many people know about. Talking about another band that is like truly a band's band. And so he talked just, about the band Seam. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, it's it crazy. Was, but honestly, some real heads came out of the woodwork for that one. And and you know those are the kind of people we want. You know we we got to talk to somebody that we truly love and truly love the music they make. And talking about a record that influenced the music that they made that we love. And it's just like. It's it's it was for a very specific subsect of our listener base, and it was one of the most rewarding conversations we've had. It was it was so nice. What's sick based off this conversation so far is uh, the the guy Brad Wood who produced uh, th- our third and fourth record. He's sort of the Venn diagram of this podcast so far because he produced that dog records he produced seam records oh, wow. he produced you That's know what I'm saying? Nuts. like and yeah. he's from chicago he's like a chicago <laughs> native originally so get so him funny. on the pod yeah, yeah right? hell yeah well so before we get into the record we came here to talk about i wanted to mention one more thing because you worked with ross robinson on lament and sure i mean I've, I've listened to you guys since beat of a dead horse but lament was truly a record that like caught me you know oh that's really cool to hear and thank you it just it just clicks so well. There's something so good and simple about that record that I can't put my finger on. That is just like honestly, like I there was a, a moment I was living with a like a woman in her mid fifties, and I drove her home for Christmas or or Thanksgiving or something. We both lived in in Central Jersey, and I think I think the song Lament came on, and she was like, "I need you need to like burn me a CD with this song." <laughs> like there's yeah. something pirated music and you're admitting to it what a piece of shit I'm i literally here. it was it was literally just that song on like a cd like five times yeah it's very funny that's it. um but it was uh <laughs> but no uh, i i i it's something i actually reference on the podcast so i think it's hilarious is it's something you said talking about recording with ross um which i'd love to talk curious a little bit about yeah, it was with the axe to grind and you mentioned uh, how Ross made you sit down and explain all of your lyrics to the rest of the band. Yep. And and the anecdote you had was, I can't imagine uh, having the Blood Brothers sit down and explain the lyrics to Burn Piano Island. <laughs> yeah. And we're we're working we're working on uh, scheduling getting Jordan on from from Blood Brothers at the moment, which uh, would be an, an unreal episode for for me personally. But I just love the idea of explaining like bulimic rainbows vomit what like what does that mean like it, absolutely <laughs> yeah no it's crazy it's it, yeah I remember I mean I did talk to him about that and I can't I, I got some bands mixed up with because of course like once. I felt like I was in with Ross. I was yeah. able to crack jokes and also ask specific questions I mean, about specific maybe experiences. The most unreal corral of, of like bands that he's worked with. It's just nuts. Yeah. I think I couldn't remember if it was blood brothers or at the drive-in, but like either one of them, I remember him saying like, it was harder to, uh, to push through with like the person opening up about what they're writing about. I have mm-hmm. a feeling it was probably at the drive-in. I'll say um, bo- both those bands, very esoteric lyrics. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But, but you know, it's what's so interesting is like, you never know what that actually means to those. Per- I mean, the blood yeah. brothers lyrics sound like an acid trip, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like for, mm-hmm. for it's, it's so colorful, but um, yeah, no, it, I, there were so many aspects. It's funny. I was trying to think of a story that I could tell you that maybe I haven't, 
talked about before with working with Ross. You mentioned the song Lament. Um, one of the one of the several things that makes him such a unique person and someone that is just so awesome to work with is that there's never a shortage of ideas from him. Like he's he's an idea machine. Like awesome. if he's not saying anything. It doesn't mean he doesn't have an idea. He's probably just deciding if whether he wants to present it or not. Yeah. Um, so it's like if someone has a question about, and I, you know, like, what do you think about this? Do you think we should do, like, he'll not only give you a full fucking, you know, answer to your question. He'll also then present you with several different alternatives. Um, and it's really cool. It's really, really cool. But for, but he also, he's looking for hooks in parts where there's no hooks and he and anything to him can be you know a hook can be anything it doesn't have to be lyrics right so the original version of lament which you can hear because we have the pre-pro demos that we put out like the the demo versions of lament Mm -hmm. um so in the the album version it's like and then the drums go there's like a tom roll thing that happens throughout as like the main riff of the thing he presented that was never there. And when he presented that idea, I thought that's the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to shut the fuck up because this is Ross Robinson. Yeah. There's a method to the madness. He's hearing something that I'm not. So I'm just going to shut the fuck up and let him fully go about this idea, explain it to everybody talk about how he's he's referencing like sisters of mercy and all these cool like gothy bands for like for the inspiration for this thing which is like buzzwords that will make us go that's yeah for sure um (laughs) so i'm just like listening and like letting him you know work this idea out and then we record it and then we i think we went to lunch or something like that and then like hearing it back later i was like it's the fucking sickest thing in the entire world. I've like never, I never put together how much of like a Christian death part that is. It's such a goth. It's That's so goth. Incredible. It's like so such funny. a gothy part. That whole song in general is like super, like the things that he was referencing, like versus like the original version or whatever. Like it's so crazy, but, uh, but yeah, that was that. And now working with Ross, when I hear a Ross record, when I've gone back and listened to like worship and tribute, mm-hmm. the amount of drum stuff that I'm like, that's a Ross thing. That's a Ross thing. Like I can, he- I hear all of the things that are Ross things. That's awesome. Now. It's like he has his own language when it comes to rhythms. I mean, know? that's the mark of a good producer, though. It's like because there, there are certain people who, like, imp- you know, offer no input at all. You know, and they're just and- essentially an engineer versus someone who's actually like active in the writing process, essentially. And that I and- think really colors a record. And. Yo, there's something great about that too. Like that, I don't think that we've talked about this amongst ourselves. It, it, it would have been a disaster if we had gone to Ross for like parting the sea. It would have been a disaster because we would have been, we would have been on some like fuck you. We no, you don't get to tell us what to do. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Like bands should, sh- bands shouldn't. Punk and hardcore bands should not get guidance uh on how to write a record for at least a little while like let them make the record that they should make at least for the first record right yeah you gotta let the road wear you down a little bit first (laughs) or just write what comes natural to you because that's how you're really kind of showing your what you got you Mm -hmm. know but then over time maybe you do want to have someone outside of your box to to sort of give you ideas and and take in those influences and see you know see what you can make together 
Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Well, now one of maybe uh, the most well-known Ross Robinson records, uh, Dear Catastrophe Waitress (laughs) by Bell and Sebastian. Honestly, gotta say, a bit of a curveball from from what I expected you to choose. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) I... Yeah, I don't, I love punk and hardcore as much as the next idiot, but it's not what I listen to regularly. Bell and Sebastian is like a top five, top really? five band for me. Yeah, yeah. same. What are, what, are, what are the other bands? What, what were some other albums that were in the running? To choose for this? Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, not to, uh, not to, what, I, there's been a lot of situations where I've been asked spe- to speak about specific records. Oh, and we I'm, know there's you know, a lot I, of similar podcasts out there. Or just like, or just like interviews, oh, interviews, whatever the situation. So like, I found myself in the past, like, I, you know, I've talked about Leonard Cohen a lot. I've talked about uh, Converge a lot. I've talked about um, Cursed is a hardcore band that I, 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 people know that I really love, but like, that's like one of my favorite bands of all time. Good t-shirt um, band, for sure. I, that band is perfect. Um, what, what, what Earth Crisis record would you have picked? And why is it Breed the Killers? It's, I mean, I love Breed the Killers. It would have been, <laughs> so been Gamora Season Ends just because that was my gateway record. Yeah. And I probably have the most I could like say about that because it was the gateway record. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Bell and Sebastian has been one of my favorite bands forever. And I don't think I've ever, like, I think if I've talked about them at all, it's probably just been about, like, a song. And it would have been from a song not off this record. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a Get Me Away From Here, I'm Dying tattoo on oh, my wow. arm because that's, like, one of my yeah, favorite songs in the entire world. Um, but this record I have, I could speak on because uh, Catch Me On The Right Day, I'll say it's my favorite record from them. And it's also a record that when I first heard it, I did not like it. Ooh, that's something we have in common. <laughs> Is that right? Do you? Th- yeah, how do you look, feel about it now? I mean, um, I, th- I uh, look. I full full disclosure. It's at the bottom of their catalog for me, but that's only because. Are we talking including records coming out today? Yes. <laughs> Did you hear the the new song's pretty good? But like the last record is. I, I I did bad. not listen to the. I mean, I, like I listened it's, to them all once, but they and it breaks my heart to say this because I I will still call them one of my favorite one of my top right. five favorite bands. These last bunch of years have been pretty tough. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I would but also say, like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, I I thought about this a lot because um, I'm like a first four album guy. Sure. You know what I mean? Like up until. And including fold your hands. Like that's, that's the bones. I think I was talking to friend of the P uh, Joe Mara last night, notorious bell and Sebastian fan. Um, and I was like, give me something about this record to like, you know what I mean? When it came out, I hated it. Um, also, this is my trivia question. If we can front load it or like middle load it, I guess the case may be, <laughs> can you name the two other notable albums that came out the same day in the U S October seventh, oh, I think it's October sixth. I noticed that just be- I clocked that just before we started yeah. because that's my brother's birthday, and I was like, "Wow, oh. I didn't realize it came out." I think Whatever. UK records come out a little earlier in the week sometimes. Oh, so it might have been for the okay. Anyway, yeah. but no, what else came out that day? So the two other not- notable records that I thought of, which were the other two records I bought that day, Transatlanticism came out the same day. Hot. As did the early November rooms too cold. Wow, that one's not for me. But <laughs> Death Cab though, 
Yeah, that's, I mean, it was wild. That's a, Look, um, it's a lot of personality starting that day. To me, True. this record <laughs> is the like worst parts of like a transition in like a career of sound, right? It's where it's where you go. The fidelity fidelity is a lot higher. Like it's a much slicker record. Um, and like, it's, it's got, it's got artifacts of the previous four twee pop albums, like sad twee pop albums. Um, and it's right before the band gets truly theatrical. Right. So to me, it's just sort of a lull in both of those things. So, okay. So what I'm with you, when I first heard this record, I was like, this is not the band that I right. love. This what, what, what is what was your first Bell and Sebastian record? Um, at the same, I got Tiger Milk and If You're Feeling Sinister at the same time. Okay, perfect. Okay, perfect. So, and I was in. I it, it was during the download era, right? And that's and it was around that time that I just discovered this band and just fell head over heels. That like they mm-hmm. had already had out all of those records. Like I got into mm-hmm. them. Um, I think this storytelling i think was the first record that came out once i was aware of the band weird movie weird movie for sure (laughs) um so fold your hands of that era is probably my least favorite of them because it's kind Mm. of the most morose sort of record of them i think it has some great like uh uh i fought in a war and uh don't leave the light on baby yeah, those songs Woman's are, Realm. There's a lot of there's some lot great of bangers. Songs. It's funny yeah. when I think when I always say to myself, I'm like, oh, it's one of my least favorite records from them. Yeah. And then I'll put it on and be like, oh wait, I love all of these yeah. songs. These songs I just are all skip, really good. I skip chalet lines. I can't do it to myself. Oh, that one's not very good. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, like the push barman to open old wounds as a collection, sure. like all of that stuff is like that's just all I mean, perfect music. It's yeah, all that's, perfect. Th- that's the masterpiece. That collection is the absolute masterpiece. Same page. Dog on wheels. Uh, give me. Um, I'm waking up to us. Imagine it's writing so a breakup song about somebody that's in your fucking band. <laughs> Blows my mind. Yeah, it happens more than, than no. Not, I'm sh- though, yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. I, it's. I guess it's pretty. Tale of the time. With- yeah, no doubt has something to say about that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and, and then uh, you know, a Fleetwood Mac before that, and true. Uh, Who and and. Um, was it Rilo Kylie? <laughs> True. Know? So, but yeah, so this record comes out and I was like, man, I did, what is this? But yeah. so I'm, as I mentioned, I'm working at a record store. What do you do when you listen, when you work at a record store? You just fucking listen to records sure. all the time. And I was, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to love this record. I'm going to make myself understand what is happening here. Mm-hmm. And the repetition just, I mean, the hooks in this record are, they dig deep. And once I just accepted that it's like, this is a different era. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is, this basically, it sounds like show tunes. It's like a musical. (laughs) It's exactly like show tunes. No, but truly it is. I mean, like there are songs that have like big, long, like you can imagine like a whole chorus of people doing like the snaps and shit like that. Do you, do you care about right about love? Do you, do you go that far? I love, I, there's, Oh, 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 you said the album right about love. Yeah. Um, that's probably the last record that I was like, so could girls listen to in, from start to finish girls in peacetime is totally out. 
there's two songs on that I like. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, you get diminishing returns pretty hard. They go yeah. Weezer territory oh where you're like, oh, you get like one song that might be good yeah. off this record. Well, um, and it's only because it gives you nostalgia for the good stuff. <laughs> totally. But I don't. Did you check out that Days of Bangled Summer mm-hmm. soundtrack? So mm-hmm. they did a soundtrack for a movie that I don't even know if it ever even got made. I don't know what the fuck is happening with this movie, but they they do new renditions of um, "Get Me Away from Here, I'm Dying," really, as well as um, "Fuck Up." Hold on, give me one second. As well as it's a song from I think Push Barman. You edit this, right? Ah, no, but it's perfect. <laughs> okay, people deal with me for one second. Uh, Listen, half this podcast is us searching things in the middle of a conversation. Okay, okay cool. So this isn't too offensive. That's a new... Uh... <laughs> so they do... I know where the summer goes. They do a, a new version of that. Okay. Um, And it's gr- the record, but that is the... That is, the most they've sound like they've sounded like how they used to. That's the closest you're going to get to a record from the first four. And the fact that it almost frustrates me because I'm like, you guys still have this in you. Like you can still do this, but you're choosing to make like these last bunch of records where it sounds like a band that can't agree on what direction they want to be in. Whereas like half the half of it sounds like they want to do like the big pop stuff. And the other half sound like they're trying to just make guitar music. So you know. this was the my my big uh, revelation while listening to this record and like really looking at what I like about the band. Um, I've realized that I need Isabel Campbell in the band for me to like it. Okay, that's fair. Um, I mean, I there's something about the classic Bell and Sebastian lineup, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Stevie Jackson was on everything up until maybe that last record. Like, he's not in the band anymore, right? Is he? I think he still is man what yeah. a guy um but there's I, something what, about like i don't know if it's can, just can we give a shout out to stevie jackson's oh solo, re- solo record being called i can't get no stevie jackson <laughs> <laughs> he's so um you've seen the so pitchfork classic albums about sinister Oh, I don't know if I've read it. Oh my goodness! No, it's a it's like an hour long thing on oh, YouTube. Oh oh oh! I don't know if I've ever watched it. Oh my goodness! Drop stop this podcast right now and go watch <laughs> it. It's worth it. Um, but you really see Stevie Jack. I mean, any interview you see Stevie Jackson's uh, personality. But like in this in this like you know short uh staccato of a documentary i mean he's just like i didn't want to be in this band why would i want to be in this band? do you know who i am like why would i ever want to be in this band and it's just he's such an incredible person um and i think he and stewart work as really good foils of each other that makes um, sense. yeah i don't know how much tv jackson has to do with like the writing of the records but I, th- I think probably a lot, but you don't see, but this is a record, but Dear Catastrophe Waitress is a record where you don't, you hear a lot of his guitar playing because there's some yeah. like really sick shredding um, on this record, yeah. but he doesn't sing on this record. Yeah, it's like a very Stuart record. The, there's only one song that has uh, Sarah Martin singing, which is the Sleep on a Sunbeam, which right. is a little more reminiscent of their older catalog. Yeah. Um, but but first off, real quick, Dan, I cut you off with that. Was there was there a thing you wanted to? Oh to no, say? I was just saying on this podcast we talk a lot about bands going for it records. Like when you can tell we're altering our sound, we're altering our production, 
were purposely kind of writing things more towards a commercial audience. And they literally said that's why this record sounds the way it does is because they were, you know, they were kind of reluctant about their first four records or so, not getting, you know, getting acclaim, but not broad acclaim. And this was them trying to, you know, focus more on production to make it more appealing and then make it catchier, make it a little more uh, theatrical or, you know, pro- composed, you know. Well, I mean, P- uh, Piazza New Year Catchers, is that, that's the biggest song of their career, right? Has to be. It's, yeah, I think it, I think because it was on like the Juno soundtrack yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 that yeah. had so, a huge sync and probably multiple syncs. I, I, I got to get some stuff out before we dig any deeper because okay, Dan I, hates Bell and Sebastian. N- no, 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 no. I had previously never listened to Bell and Sebastian. Uh, up until a week ago, I thought Bell and Sebastian were two people named Bell and Sebastian. That's uh, probably very common. <laughs> uh, and I mean, listening to this record, and I, you know, I'll skip ahead just a moment before I go back. This record is a grower, for sure. It grew on me the more I listened to it. Just as you said, it took you, you forced yourself to grow into it. Um, but my first thought listening to the, the first song is, uh, well, I two thoughts. Number one, I'm calling HR. Uh, and number Seven two. to my office, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, uh, I literally wrote in my notes, this is what they sound like. It sounds like a regional carpet store jingle. <laughs> because sure. they're writing like jingle pop like catchy yeah it's you real know? bubblegum 70s, yeah. 70s stuff so yeah. I, I was trying to think of what this stuff reminded me of and again having only the context of other music i've listened to before so I, I a lot of times when i'm listening to these records for the first time i have kind of odd senses of of comparison um this this stuff kind of sounds like it just sounds like british music from the mid sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It literally that's definitely what they're going for. It mm-hmm. sounds like the Beatles. It sounds like Peter, Paul and Mary. It have sounds heard, like fifth dimension age of Aquarius. Have you ever listened to a band called the left bank? No. Mm-mm. Put on, play the song, walk away, Renee, walk away, Renee. But, but, but yeah. that's the, but isn't that's a four top song. Yeah. I mean, this is their cover. Oh, their cover of it. Yeah. 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 Um, is it just yeah this sounds exactly like it yeah yeah I mean there's there's definitely like this aesthetic like and this came out in 1967 like kinks worship yeah and that also spoiler alert the song Walkway Renee gets referenced on the truck And uh, well, so the other funny thing is, uh, I was he's, listening. Uh, he's, he's, uh, I wish that you were here with me to pass a dull weekend. <laughs> I know I wouldn't come to love my heroine, pretend a lady stepping from the songs uh, we love until this day. You'd settle for an epitaph like "Walk Away, Renee." Wow, wow! It That's all comes Piazza together. That yeah, was the so podcast, good. guys. We nailed it. Uh, <laughs> I think everybody did really but good today. I was, I was listening to to Piazza, and I'm like. This sounds like Puff the Magic Dragon. It's the same, like, timber and melody. <laughs> the song is so good. It's so, so good. good. The fact that it back and forth between him basically talking about courting his wife and then also them catching a a game in San And Francisco. wondering if Mike Piazza was gay. Which, which was like a I scandal know, I totally forgot about. I didn't even know about that, you know? But, yeah, like, I I, you learn about that. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know, it's... 
it's so sweet i love it i love it so much um and also you know it's interesting i don't know if you guys if, if how much research you guys did but like the fact that this was produced by the guy who the guy from the buggles the guy who, trevor trevor band, horn yeah trevor horn who uh, video killed the radio star uh i mean the guy had done records for like pet shop boys and like frankie goes to hollywood and like all this sort of stuff so like it's a big decision i actually saw them on this tour at the hollywood bowl and they brought him out and they covered video killed the radio star which was wow. just the coolest thing in the entire world just like joyce manor just like joyce manor <laughs> um and yeah i don't know there's there's so many like little aspects i can sort of talk about uh how do you feel about the song i'm a cuckoo they said it's Thin Lizzy inspired, which it's I did not know. I mean, it's a Thin Lizzy yeah, inspired. It's a, it's a Thin Lizzy riff. That, I only the, know the boys are back in town. That's the only thing. It's that riff. Is it that riff? Really? Yeah. And and the fact that they mentioned Thin Lizzy in the song. They literally rhyme. They, they make the rhyme Thin Lizzyo, which is just. <laughs> I will As say genius. That's genius. a song that I would skip every single time. Really? And this was the one of the first times that I've listened to this record and like sort of appreciated Stewart's like swag. Like he's got his vocal approach is very different on this record than yeah. anything before. Yeah, anything yeah, yeah. else was very demure and like reluctant, you know, singer. Uh, or reluctant front man and now it's just like he he's like full theater kid yeah no the whole record is very theater kid and which i don't know did you ever end up seeing uh god help the girl i saw no. that yeah i saw that not knowing it was anything to do with with bone sebastian so so god help the girl is a musical that he had written and then he put out a record called god help mm -hmm. the girl and then he actually got the movie made and then they made the entire soundtrack again but with the cast now on it wow. in different songs and it actually has a couple bell and sebastian songs that were sort of like renditions for the film mm -hmm. um and uh it, it just makes sense it's like it seems like this was the starting point towards him becoming this but i think even more so uh that might be an exaggeration but like on par on par with the god help the girl thing like this record has so much production on it that it's like mm -hmm. it's there all of the like little background hooks and like melodies and snaps and like instrumentation like a lot of chimes going this on. record is a fu it's a fucking musical party you know what i'm saying yeah. like there's so much happening and i don't think that anything is taking away from any of the song choices or like any of the choices are taken away from the songs because it all adds elements to like th the points they're trying to make in this like these songs aren't just like verse chorus verse chorus verse you know bridge chorus it's like they take you on a full-on adventure into all of these different things to sort of like push the point of the lyrics and the storytelling to a, to a and it's like a rock opera, truthfully. It is but, it like from a songwriting perspective, it is interesting how much a lot of these songs do meandering and how sort of like non-linear some of them are. Mm -hmm. uh, they almost feel just completely driven by the melody, which mm -hmm. is like a songwriting thing that I've never been able to do. I guess you as like a vocalist would probably do that pretty frequently, right? Like steer songs with, or do you write, uh, do you write your melodies after the, yeah, I, we, I do lyrics last and then, you know, the songs sort of form around that, but I get what you're saying though. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that is something I did come to appreciate, again, with more listens and, and you know, also going back and, like, looking through the lyrics and things like that. And, and the storytelling aspect is good in a intentionally whimsical way, you know? It's, yeah. it's not too... It's not like cringe, you know. It it is in a way, uh, but that's the whole genre of of twee pop, you know. Sure. But it's it's just it it grows on you. And I mean, there's stuff, you know. The song "Dear Catastrophe Waitress" is stuck in my head as we speak. Um, sure. Especially the lines uh, talking about like your coffee's going cold. For some reason, the, the the phrase like "coffee gone cold" is like cellar door for me when it's referenced in songs. I don't Dude, know why. The, uh, the, the, like the the violin, like over the the. Uh, I'm sorry if he hit you with a full, full can, can of coke. It's no joke. It definitely sounds like the Simpsons theme. It's crazy. It truly is, though. You know what I'm saying? Like it's. Like, I couldn't even imagine. Like, it's so impressive that this band went from sounding like how they basically sounding like the birds to <laughs> yeah, to somehow making this record in just a short amount of time between, you know, like between the storytelling soundtrack and this. It's like it's it's also interesting, too, because it doesn't feel like it's a response to anything. Like, it's funny to even think about them trying to make this their big breakout record because there's nothing else that sounds like this. I mean, this we're in the era of the Strokes and the White Stripes. It's like, oh, you, yeah, would, yeah. you would think, you'd, think be, about that. you'd be think you'd be trying to write, like, scumbag New York indie sleaze or whatever they call it now. But, like... But instead, they no, went they, back 50 years and wrote a, a mid-60s yeah. Britpop record. Yeah, like, who who are you trying to tour with? With this. It is, it is a really uh, wild aesthetic to have to use as like a songwriting vehicle. Yeah, I, and I've, I, I guess I've never thought about songwriting through that way. But um, as far as like it's it's worse than being like a youth crew hardcore band as far as like growth potential. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. Um. Yeah, no, I, you know, and all the years seeing them after this record and, and whatever else, like, you know, I think that this did end up becoming a fan favorite, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it just started the new, it was the step in the direction of this new world. And I don't know if you are familiar with the song, Your Cover's Blown, that was on like the books single, um, the wrapped know. up in books single. So it was like a song that was just on that but it's like such a fucking jam it's so it's got like the sickest bass line um but you said you could wait you could play music on here right yeah yeah, play yeah. It. dude what, fucking go what song am i looking for so so look up uh the single for like if you're on spotify go to the yeah. singles era for books and then put on your covers blown right out mm. the gate it is just fucking jamming you've seen, how many times have you seen him oh i've probably seen him like Seven or eight times. Oh, this song, sure. So how do we know each other? And how do you have my number? So much wacky well, instrumentation. You be the driver. Say what you want and leave your shiny's home. And this came out right after the other one? Yeah, this was a sing- this was like a B-side for one of the songs off the record, the wrapped up in book song. Okay. Dude, this guitar line about to come in. Yeah, it's pants. It's all the way to the left, too, which is interesting. And then over to the right. That's kind of cool. 
Yeah, it's a very loungy kind of song. What a song to narrowly escape being on the record. I, it's <laughs> if that was on the record, it would it would uh, somehow make it an eleven out of ten in in my book. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's I mean it's fun to talk with people uh, who feel a, a, another way about it. But truthfully, like this was a record too that you know I'm working at a record shop with. No one has the same taste, which is like one of the best parts about working in a record shop. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, one day I'll be working with a guy who specifically listens to fucking house music, you know, and then sure. the next day I'm working with a guy who specifically only listens to like 90s R&B. But this was a record that awesome. whenever I'd put it on, all of the employees were psyched. Like really? it grew on everybody. Like it was the one time it was like, you know, I'd also be playing fucking hardcore and like bumming everybody mm-hmm. out. So mm-hmm. like. When it was my turn and I'd put this on, as soon as fucking step into my office, baby would start. People would be like, "Yes, I could see this as a good, as a good like getting shit done record. Like if you're if you're stocking shelves, like this has got enough little pep in your step to to make it happen." Yeah, there's. I mean, there was like bits that would that started from this. Like, uh, what's the song? Um, it's not. A, it's not. A, I'm a cuckoo. It's yeah. It's in the song. You don't send me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a. There's a. A thing that happens during the chorus um, that sounds like you hear it and you imagine there being like a chorus line, like like three backups, uh, like three women backup singers doing like the there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing like with the finger wag. So like whenever that part would come, all of the employees would look at each other and go, there's nothing, there's nothing. Oh, like, I love it. There's so many. Sounds like, like the best job ever. There's seriously like it kind of, you know, to tie it back to Ross, it's like. They seem so aware of like everything can be a hook, whether it's just mm-hmm. like this, the fucking kazoo sound during this part or the, you know, what the glockenspiel you're going to use during this part, like whatever it is, there's just so many wild orchestral choices that uh, just really put this record over the top. You know, I mean, how do they pull it off live? Is it is it as good live? Is it better? I saw them, I think the record, I think the tour that they did off of this, uh, the L.A. show, was with the L.A. Philharmonic. Wow. So okay. it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I saw them, I saw them once before this came out um, at the Tower Theater in Philly. Uh, Stewart came out on stage to the Rocky theme, to them playing the Rocky theme. Uh, he was in Red, White, and Blue Boxers. Uh, with boxing gloves. I can't imagine a Philly audience hating that more. No, 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 no. Everybody loved it. It was great. Um, honestly, fastest two hours of my life up until that point, the most expensive show I'd ever been to. I think I spent $40 on those tickets. Wow. Holy moly. Where did I right. get the money? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I saw him way later with Yola Tengo at the man, but like on that outdoor stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were fine. Yeah, this this stuff always struck me as a very specific era of like MySpace as well. I know they predated that by a long shot, but you know, just like the girls with like the architecture and Helsinki song on their MySpace page, like very similar crossover. I gotta tell you, or when of I Montreal. think about uh, of Montreal, sure. When I but when I think about this, I when I when I think about Bell and Sebastian, the first thing that comes to mind is is the Bell and Sebastian scene in High Fidelity. That's what I think sure. of when I think of like Bell and Sebastian, right? Like sad bastard music, and yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is a song yeah, off of then, Fold Your Hands. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Seymour Stein? Seymour Stein. No, it's <laughs> off of... Uh, Isn't that Fold Your Hands? Uh, Arab Strap, no. Oh, you're fucking right. You are totally right. Ooh, you are totally right. Which, yeah. which Seymour Stein is a great song and yeah. picks up sort of at the end. Yeah. But... Holy moly. I've been lonely. Yeah, what a great song. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the few songs I can play guitar. Like, I, I mean, like that I've learned. Yeah, yeah, ever. yeah, yeah, yeah. My poor kids heard me play that croon that song so many times. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I just saw them again recently. I saw them. I went out to uh, Joshua Tree and uh, or jo- not Joshua Tree, uh, like Palm Desert era mm. area to uh, to see them play like this like backyard restaurant that like randomly does shows called Pappy and Harriet's. So I don't know if you guys have heard of that spot, mm. but um, you know, like they still probably play like three songs off this record or something like that, mm. even though they're have put out several records since then, you know, uh, do they do, does the old stuff still come through live the way it did? Like, is there a different feel to it now? To be honest with you, they don't really even play the old stuff that they're playing is stuff that is, that is more geared toward sounding in par with like what they're doing now. Like, so right. a song like, uh like boy with your strap or uh what would be another example uh a song that i would fucking kill to see them play which would make so much sense is electronic renaissance yeah i was just thinking that one of the few songs that i skipped for the first 10 years i listened to this band and then one day it clicked and i could i can't get enough that's always the best though oh man it was always that was my roadblock in tiger's milk you know what I mean? Yeah. I would make it up to Electric Renaissance, and it was sort of like I don't because we rule the schools right after it, right? Right. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to sit through this to get to that. But man, I was wrong. I was wrong. Oh, it's so good. It's funny. I remember so bonding good. with um, of all people, Wes Isold of American mm. Nightmare and Code, uh, Cold Cave. He West loved that song, and then he had, then Cold Cave ended up doing a remix of a Bell and Sebastian song off of a later record. Um, oh, but wow. I remember just knowing that and then seeing that he got to do that. I was like, oh, that's so fucking cool. <laughs> that's awesome. um, there was a Bell and Sebastian dance party in Philly for a while. Like, um, like an emo night, but for Bell and Sebastian. Yeah. Once a year, there was a <laughs> Bell and Sebastian dance party. Wow. Um, very, very fun. Very I would go. Fun. I would go to where, that. Where was that in Philly? Um, was there a bar called National Mechanics? Not that I know of. Hmm. It was in Old City. Gotcha. I think it was called National Mechanics. Uh, where do you let? La- where do you land on the life pursuit? Were you just out at this point, Andrew? I was out. Yeah. I mean, have you come um, around to that record? I think a little bit. Um, <sighs> the life so pursuit good. is good because it's so much. Uh, there's a sort of a consistent narrative woven through it. Um, it felt more like a cohesive record. This, I mean, I don't know. I've just always felt like this record felt more like a mix than I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, agree to disagree on that. Yeah. I, Look, I get what you're saying. I, I, I'm sure life pursuit is a shorter record. Potentially. Yeah. It feels more, a little more streamlined. If that, yeah. If how long is this? Like 50 actually, minutes? They're both, I think they're like both 49 minutes about. Oof. Yeah. They're both. Uh, it it did kind of fly by. It didn't. It didn't feel too long. Um, let's look at the catalog. There is no. I, I mean, I know you guys probably disagree. Your catastrophe waitress has no skips for me. Like, mm. 
It's got it's, it's got no skips. It trucks along. I'm trying to think what. Uh, There's specific lyrics in like every single song that I could. Yeah, point and it's out fun to like, kind of wait for your favorite line. Like I do love in like Dear Catastrophe Waitress. Besides the coffee cold, like gone cold moment. Uh, just the the full can of coke line is just really fucking like it's painting such a picture of just like rowdy assholes in a diner and like is is you do you have the do you have the vinyl copy of Dear Contest Free Wages? Yeah, you bet your ass. Do, is um <laughs> is uh you don't send me the first song on side B? So I think it's a double LP. I have it right here. Funny oh. enough. Um, I brought because what I don't understand is they redid that they changed the cover art, which is super yeah. odd. Yeah, that's the, like that's the original cover, stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, let me see how this actually is laid out. I usually have the Discogs page pulled up. Piazza New York Catcher is is the first song on side B of the. There's two LPs though. So okay, they, so, so side it's, like, it's probably C. like three songs each time. So the seaside starts with hopefully you don't send me. Look, I'm just saying from 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 you don't send me forward. Um, it does a, start with it, you don't send me. It is a very very backloaded record for me. I think after after you don't send me, it settles into itself. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe there's just less frills, less um, theater, less comedy. I don't okay, know. I will be. Let's be honest on the pod. Let's be honest. For the I, first time, I did first say, ever. I did say, I and I stand by. There are no skips. But if you put a uh-huh. gun to my head and said, yeah. "Where do you want to start this record?" Yeah, I would start with Piazza New York Catcher. Yeah, I mean, it, but like, it's I do very... love, I do love those first few songs. But I've heard it's like smells like Teen Spirit. I've heard yeah. them so many times. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna turn a light on in here. One second, Dan. Yeah. Have you turned around to Bell and Sebastian yet? Yeah, I think that's pretty Sorry. clear. Andrew's um, just having a heart to heart with me about uh, if 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 I've been okay turned with Bell and Sebastian. Now? If I've turned you know, on it's Bell funny and... when when we were talking about Bell and Sebastian yesterday. Um, I was like, I know I have a Bell and Sebastian, uh, like playlist somewhere. Hmm. Like I know I have this. I'll send it to you. And when I found it, I realized that it was just the first four albums. <laughs> For sure. Uh, the yeah. singles collection and then storytelling. And that was it. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, if I was going to introduce somebody to this band, I would probably do the thing where I'd make them separate playlists. I'd be like, here's. Oh, yeah. One, here's Bell and Sebastian 1.0, 2.0. And then the 3.0 would be a very short short yeah. playlist of like here's f- here's four songs yeah, yeah. like the, the new song is good what's the new song called i don't even know every day is a lesson in humility i don't even know if i've listened i'll be honest i yeah. maybe i've listened to that maybe i haven't um because it's like yeah, with somebody else June. right with suki waterhouse yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yep um late developers has one song uh mm. that i liked um a bit of previous had two songs maybe three songs that i liked and I put it as like my number 10 of, of the year because I just felt that kinship with them that I had to. Um, it's sort of insane. I did not know there were this many records. So truthfully, please listen to Days of the Bangled Summer. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's the closest you're going to get to like how they used to sound. Uh-huh. The record that real the, the thing that they did that really alienated me was when they did the three EPs. 
um, the like how to solve our human problems parts one through three, mm-hmm. um, th- because that is it's 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 so all over the place. The song "We Were Beautiful," which was the single from it, is an incredible song, incredible song, but the rest of it is just really unlistenable. It, it like broke my heart. You know, like when your band, when a band that like you've always relied on puts out something that you're just like, mm. what happened to my guys? Like mm-hmm. what's, what's going on here? <laughs> like, is it me? You start having like internal conflict where you're like, is it me? Is it, have I changed? But then you realize now it's actually, it's, you that. know, I, I don't think we fully ever explore this. We always sort of like just the tip it to see if this is a conversation, but I, I, I feel like, especially talking to people who are songwriters generally, like, do you feel any kind of guilt over like dipping out of one of your favorite songwriters careers? You know what I mean? Like if somebody was like, Hey, you, cause it's, you know, I, I think that we, we can talk about any band who has more than more than five full lengths and say like, this was the strong part. And this is where, you know, it wasn't so strong. Yeah. Like the wheels start to come off a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you, um, like, do you have those conversations? Like, do you, do you talk to people who are like, Hey, this is my era of your band. And you're like, well, wait, what the fuck? What about the rest <laughs> of it? Or like, how do you, how do you come to terms with those transitions in an artist's catalog as an artist? Um, it's a great question. It depends on if, a good question so i think that i over time i think if you were asking record store me before i did anything professionally or whatever else mm-hmm. or like thought to whatever i'd probably be more of a snarky asshole where i'd just be like shit stinks like they've lost their way <laughs> sure but i think doing a band now for as long as i have and like we're about to you know we're starting to write record six and stuff like that um and also you know being friend, being lucky enough to be friends with people who have had long careers and like watching how those things develop over time and stuff like that. I think I'm a lot more empathetic to how a band changes over time. And, and I sort mm-hmm. of go into people's new records with an open mind of like, like, okay, I love the national. Sure. I love well, don't the get national Andrew started. Sure. Let's get me started. Don't get them started. I'm started. I, I don't know. How, like, they're a band that when they put out a new record, I'm very excited. Very excited. And they've had a couple that didn't hit me as hard as other ones. But okay. I still am going into those records very open-minded and, and understanding that, like, yeah, this isn't a band that's going to sound like Boxer anymore. Right. Right? Did, um, you, um, did you, like, I always garble the name, so I'm just going to look it up. I'm easy to find. Yes. I knew you were going to say that one. Uh, I think that there are some brilliant songs on it. As a whole, I listened to that one. Well, aside from the first two, that'd be the one I listened to probably the least. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, even, I don't even consider really anything before Alligator. Like, those aren't the same sure. band. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, did, I did an episode of the show Bands Plane. It was like four mm-hmm. hours and we went through oh, every God. single record. How is that podcast so I long? I did listen to that. <laughs> and so and that was one of those things where I was like, I don't really have a lot to say about the first two records. Like I right. can talk about them as a context, right. but like, I don't, I'm not singing the praises because they didn't move me the same way that alligator forward 
did. Right. There um, was the only part of, of of their career that I ever got bummed about was Sleep Well Beast. I think Sleep Well Beast has has some great songs on it. That's the transition though. But it also has Turtleneck, which makes me question whether or not I ever liked that band. Sorry. I, That's I my favorite song on the record. <laughs> no, it's not. Get out of here. No one likes that song, Jeremy. No one. I fucking love that song. Oh, my God. If you listen to that band's point episode, I devote at least five minutes to Turtleneck. Oh, because my God. I've never be- been so, like, hurt Well, ever. it's because it's because that it might be the mindset I have of, like, Yo, it's a band wanting to just like fucking go so in a different direction. And sure, that's it's like a that's a that's an aggressive song. Like it's the most aggressive song that they've probably written since like fucking Mr. November. Yeah. So like that's what I think appealed to me. Where I was like, it sounds this is like a weird, angry anti-Trump sort of like talking shit about Trump without actually having to say the word Trump kind of a song. And there's which is everybody's dream. Maybe that might be the and, only song I'd like by then. <laughs> and like it, when the way you hear him ramping up and getting emotional and like pissed when he's like, this must be the genius we've been waiting yeah. years for. Like that whole part yeah. really does it for me. I, uh, uh, as far as performance goes, it's definitely the closest recorded that I've ever heard them to the way they play live. Mm. So for sure. Um, Live, it's just, it's a party. Like it feels so. Yeah. Um. I've I. It could just be the venue. I, I just saw them a few months ago at. Um, they played the that? anthem. They played that they, song. No, I don't think oh, they played okay. that. Um. But like you know, I you you forget how either they're such a reserved band in so many ways, and like people with guitars just want to play loud. And so that happens. And it's, you know, when they let loose, they let loose and it's, it's great. And I, it just puts I gotta everybody say, in the room. So you saw them after this new record came out? I did. Yeah. yeah. Did it also make you appreciate the back half of the record seeing those songs live? Cause it yeah. made me appreciate them. I, I was, yeah. I love the, I like without, you know, cause so many of the songs were singles anyway, but like the first, yeah the side a of that record is like it's fucking great yeah and i didn't great. fully connect like i'm not i'm still not that crazy about the taylor swift song um yeah. i feel like her vocal line in it is a little too it sounds very like christmasy to me it's got a very yeah. christmas <laughs> sort of melody to it it de- it's definitely like like uh, a, do you december, hear what i hear december 13th in line at starbucks i feel <laughs> totally you, I feel totally it's got it's got their their back and forth it has a lot of that element yeah. so that one doesn't really do a lot for me but like um yeah, I it made me appreciate the back half of the record a lot more. Um, but like on I Am Easy to Find, I think Non Kansas is like a top top three oh, national song. Huge. That uh, that whole record, I um, I think it's just uh, it's what I've always wanted from that band. I feel like it's everything I wanted fully realized in one place. Like Matt Berninger isn't the. Uh, isn't like the only voice there's almost always something else the almost the whole record feels like a duet record mm-hmm. um and i think like as soon as he as soon as he was okay with not being the only main you know, vocalist present in every song i feel like it really opened up what that band could do sure um and i was really happy to hear that 
Uh, did you read the? Now that we're totally just like not even talking about Bell and Sebastian yeah, anymore. Yeah, we, um, yeah, did you read the uh, the the track by track um, breakdown thing that that Matt did for uh, for for Pitchfork for that record? No. So I I quoted this again. And sorry on the Bandsmate episode, but it's just so funny because you you were talking about that song specifically. Um, it just cracked me up because you know it's like such a stream of conscious uh sort of sort of lyrics and i love them so much like i've i've gone to that song so many times when i feel like i don't have anything to say um but i love it where he says okay uh so i don't are you familiar with that band thinking fellers local union 282 Mm-hmm. So that's like how they, it's like a ban on Matador and basically the chorus in that song is pulled from them, um, which is super oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so there's a, there's a song from this, this band with like the weirdest band name of all time, which is Thinking Fellers Union 282. <laughs> the figures, sorry, Thinking, Thinking Fellers Local Union 282 is the name of the band, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a song where the 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 whole chorus of Non Kansas is like the entire song of the from them, right? Um, so basically, uh, it comes they get to the section of the interview where it says this one is a lot. There are references to the Strokes, REM, alt right, opium, and punching Nazis. There are also several abrupt interruptions that splice in the choral arrangement from no of mm-hmm. from the song Noble Experiment. Um, and then Matt says, what was the name of the instrument you sent me, Aaron? And then he says, like, Every, everyone to everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so he talks about how he, he wrote 17 stanzas. And he goes, so how did you edit it down? Um, so they're talking about that. But then he goes, do you, do you remember any of the verses that you got, that you cut? And he goes, yeah, I have them right here. And seemingly he's like pulling out a piece of paper. He uh-huh. goes, Eddie says, I'm giving 20s to schizophrenic missing mothers in my neighborhood. Leaning in the door, you're always asking, why not ask for more? I refer to my Wiccan masseuse, who also I buy weed from. Little Caesars gets mentioned. I must have been hungry. <laughs> it does. I uh, I didn't think about it till just now. How much of like a we didn't start the fire that has going on? It's yeah. It's really. It's so all over the place. But I there's. I mean, when he refer like he has an ability to when he references things. It always feels like things that are also happening in my life, which is like what yeah. everybody goes through. Because like I was like on a huge REM kick for a while, and then like oh me too and, recently. And then so like when I heard that I was like we're the same. Wait, and now on the new uh, record he references Afghan wigs and I'm like been on oh, a big yeah. Afghan wigs thing. I love the that's uh, Eucalyptus is one of my favorite songs on the record just because you get to talk about the cowboy. Yeah, I, how often do you think about the cowboy junkies? Right. You know what I mean, totally. Um, man, I forget what I was just gonna ask you. Holy shit, we were going off. Um, <laughs> I was gonna ask if anyone what what's everyone's top tracks on this record. On Catastrophe Waitress. That's a great segue back. <laughs> Love it. Um, Trying to rope things back in to things I can actually talk about. Which no, is it's only hard. Better. Yeah, we've alienated you completely. Um, I so definitely um, Piazza, New York Catcher, is is way up there. Um, I'm a cuckoo. Uh, okay. Asleep on a sunbeam. Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna, if I'd pick one more, I would probably do maybe Roy Walker. Okay, it's yeah. a great ending track. 
Stay it's Loose the is the last one, but Roy, 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 Roy Walker is like just before. But it has it has a great. Oh, is uh, it? Yeah. Another uh, another double ending record. Uh. Stay Loose yeah, is like, a good a good ender though. It's a good final track. Like there's just great snapping that that's happening in the song. Um, snapping. It's it's. It's just yeah, it's it's fantastic. I don't know. It puts me in a good mood. But stay loose. Stay loose is actually an interesting final song on the record because it doesn't. It feels like a transition song. Like the way the song ends, it feels like there's another song that's coming. Which is, if I'm gonna give it any sort of criticism, that's that's. It's a weird track order for that. Andrew, what about you? What are your top tracks on this? I mean, probably Piazza. Um, I think of any song on this record. You know that. Um, I feel like you would be into Sleep on a Sunbeam because that feels oh, classic for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I need I need Bell and Sebastian with a flute, convincing flute line. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just I, I if I could just combine that whole last twenty five minutes of the record, like it's 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 real good. Yeah, I yeah I, wrapped up in books. I like yeah. that little yep. spaghetti western line. I, actually, real, real I good. love the song Lord Anthony. That one snuck out to me. You know, it reminded me uh, right when this record came out, my landlord's name was Anthony. <laughs> my, so my, my landlord's phone, name is also Anthony currently. In my phone, he was saved as Lord Anthony. That's, what <laughs> doing here. That's my, uh, my middle name is Anthony. So there we wow. go. Wow. It all comes together. It all comes together. Uh, uh, any any final criticisms of the record? Must be gone. Um, I've said too much. And Lord Anthony, um, I could do without the mental image of uh, melted Toblerone under your dress. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they expanded upon that, personally. Because I'm uh, like, he's talking about shit in your pants, right? It's like, <laughs> Tony, you're a bit of a mess. There's melted no Toblerone. lyrics to this on Spotify. No, it's on Genius though. You would think though. Yeah. You would think. Yeah. But uh yeah, my my only last criticism is on this entire record there's almost no inhale screams at all. Almost there are there are an astoundingly uh astounding shortage of like China symbol lead-ins to <laughs> yeah, breakdowns exactly. and Yeah. That would have really sold me if uh there's no cannon shots, that's really frustrating. Yep. 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 Zillbell, you know. <laughs> I I was I've actually spent uh, this is a great place to mention. I've always wondered why um, Bell and Sebastian and Shai Halud never did a split together. I think that would have been. They've shared members. I'm, I'm sure, sure at this point. <laughs> yeah, Matt Fox is yeah. definitely <laughs> at one point. There's a chance. There's a chance. Oh, do you know what a time? Do you know Andrew that there is a Bell and Sebastian, the National Split 12 inch? Get out of here! Swear to God, it was for a benefit, and it's like one song each. And it was only available at some UK th- what is festival. I'm sure both bands don't even know this thing exists. Oh my god! Really? But it's on Discogs, <laughs> and it haunts me because it's so expensive. How much? Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now. Oh my god! Um, I was just looking for it. What's the most? Ex- I assume the most expensive record it's of called, theirs would be. So it has 
it's live performances. So the uh-huh. national song is England and the Bell and Sebastian song is the state I'm in. Oh yeah. And it's there's two copies for sale currently and the lowest price for it is three hundred and sixteen dollars. I mean that's not so bad. That's um how many people have it in their collection? Like how many exist? Uh good question. Um fourteen oh, pe- only fourteen is. people have it. Wow. Um so, and is there any pressing info? It says the National Bell and Sebastian uh, Split 12-inch EP created in participation between the Court of St. James and Beggar's Banquet to mark the departure of President Obama's ambassador uh, to London, <laughs> Matthew Burzon. What? The, the songs were re- weird connections. The songs were recorded during a special performances at the ambassador's official London residence. What? How weird is that, right? <laughs> That's Yo, so bizarre. Yo, is the ambassador a fucking nerd? It was recorded live to an Edison cylinder and then converted <laughs> it's a, to vinyl. Literally, it says like live at <laughs> live at Winfield House for both That's of them. That's bizarre. What a Damn. credible... <laughs> what a cred ass politician. That's like um, the, that's, that's exactly like the time that uh, Chris Caraba performed at Taylor Swift's birthday. You know, I've always said we need more of Beto in politics, so... Uh, <laughs> So maybe we can finally get. Um, Are you looking at the record, drive-in? By the way, because it's. I was. It's hideous. I immediately closed it it's because hideous. I have too much money in my bank account. It's hideous. Um, uh, the back cover is hideous. It's like a. It's just like a. It's like a bunch of people watching with like their cell phones up. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. What a dream come true. And, it, you know, and the front cover. If is I like, wanted to see that, I could just go to a Mitski show. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Oh, what a great place to end it, Long. Jeremy. What do, you, what do you got to plug? Touche's uh, touring with uh, Death Heaven towards the end Shit. of the year. Uh, we're doing like their Sun Sunbather ten year anniversary shows. So that's gonna be a lot oh, of fun. That's right. Um, Does that play here? I would where are you that. again? You said one of you. Baltimore. In- I'm in Jersey City. Andrews in Baltimore. There's a DC show. Ooh. There's that. Yeah, I think it's it's only like ten shows. It's like LA, New York, uh, Boston, Philly, DC. Austin, Denver, Chicago. I got them all. There yeah, you go. Nice. Where, um, where, in, uh, where in New York are you playing? See, now that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we're doing that. And then, yeah, first ever podcast. Hope that's come out every Wednesday. Um, I don't know. When is this coming out? This will be out this coming Tuesday. This well, coming, not, not tomorrow, but not tomorrow, next, but... next Tuesday. Okay, cool um sick well thank you for having me yeah uh you can follow us uh we have a patreon uh patreon.com slash run under the ground five dollars a month gets you two extra episodes as well as some uh monthly mixtapes you and it'll make you feel good it'll make you feel good it'll make you feel good supporting us uh at this point i think the pre-orders for the shirts are going to be closed but we will have we will have some leftovers on the shirts, uh, so if you didn't get a pre-order, don't don't uh, fret too bad. But uh, you you might have missed out. Who knows? We might print some stuff up in the future. But anyone who did order, thank you very much. You can follow me at Dambassini on Twitter and Instagram, dambassini.com. My new book, No Invite Volume Ten, is currently available, uh, with maybe No Invite Volume Eleven on the way. Andrew, what do you got to plug? 
Um, I'm, I've am i recently gotten way better in my golf game. I just stopped hitting my driver and only hit my five iron off the tee. Um, if you want to follow us on... Can I just keep calling it Twitter? I'm not going to call it Twitter. X. Okay. That's fucking so stupid. I went to dinner with somebody Run. the other night who called it X. I was shocked. Oh, I was shocked. I d- yeah, you got to go after that, right? <laughs> Sorry, my mom's calling. Um, yeah, follow us on, uh, t- on X Twitter uh at run in the number two the ground um dan i think you covered everything else yeah jeremy this has been really fun thank you so much for uh spending time with us yeah fucking blast we talked about your music zero (laughs) percent that's fine i was here to talk about bell and sebastian fuck yeah (laughs) i was here to talk about the national so i guess we all yeah everyone won Um, perfect (laughs) uh but yeah this is a fucking blast thanks for coming on Everybody else, bye-bye. I'm sorry.